Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Glass in today's statistics episode. We read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Today's episode is all about Glass. Uh, the newest film to come out, basically. Uh, it's came out over Martin Luther King weekend, and it's doing okay. Uh, it's not really, financially speaking, building much on what Split did at the box office a couple of years ago. But it's not completely crashing and burning, as some of the early reviews might have... Uh, implied it could and and that's an interesting aspect of this film unbreakable the first film in this trilogy well reviewed and its general audience appeal has grown through time it's a superhero movie that came out before the marvel cinematic universe before nolan's batman trilogy uh, you know, at the very beginning of Spider-Man and the X-Men movies back in 2000. And I, I like it. I, I, it. I didn't see it till many, many years after the fact, but I like it. I, I like Unbreakable. Um, I gave it a 69, and I think it's a good movie. I don't remember too much about it, but I appreciated the grounded approach. I appreciated the... Just the the simplistic, on the surface at least, simplistic way that uh, it really approached this type of movie. Uh, and then 16 years later, uh, back three years ago, we had Split come out. But, and Split, we didn't know was in the Unbreakable universe. We didn't even know that there was an Unbreakable universe until the end, until the very end when Bruce Willis is shown watching television, seeing this news report. And that's, you know, when it all came together. So in Unbreakable, we're introduced to Bruce Willis's character, who is uh, the unbreakable man. He is incredibly strong. He is incredibly uh, impervious to, to things. And at the same time, we were introduced to Mr. Glass, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, he is the quote-unquote villain. He is uh, he has brittle bone disease, so he gets hurt easily. And but he's but he's highly intelligent and kind of pulling the strings. Split comes out, and we have James McAvoy's uh, dissociative identity disorder character. Um, Kevin, and one of his identities is the Beast, uh, who is feral, in a sense, uh, who can climb walls, uh, who can contort uh, McAvoy's body into unnatural ways, who can, you know, bend steel, who has the strength that... uh, Bruce Willis's character has in this personality, but who has the the array of alternate personalities within him 
to you know improve to to match wits uh, outside of just the beast to to further accomplish his goals in a less destructive and, and purely physical manner. And at the end of Split, where it's revealed all these both of these movies took place in the same world, and finally with Glass, we have the culmination of this trilogy. And because of how Split entered the the conversation, it's not like a a, a, a a chronological trilogy in the same way that most are. It's basically, we had a movie in this universe, we had a different movie in this universe, and now we have a final movie that combines the first two. So it's not part one, part two, part three. It's more like part A, part B, and now part C. If that makes sense, uh, maybe that doesn't make any difference. Um, I don't know. It's it's like Split and Unbreakable are their own things, and now we're combining them to make Glass. So, for me, Glass, uh, I was kind of looking forward to it. I always enjoy seeing Samuel L. Jackson in a in a s- substantial role. I think he doesn't get enough of those. He takes a lot of smaller parts, and I was excited to see him in a bigger role like Glass. I was looking forward to the, all these characters interacting. And... Uh, I don't know. I I was uh, whelmed. I was very whelmed by this movie, and uh, I'll get it more into that as we get through go through some of these statistics. So, that said, I saw Glass, January seventeenth, twenty nineteen. Uh, it is one It is two hours and six minutes. Uh, my brief summary. Three men, believed to have extraordinary abilities, are confronted by a doubting psychologist. Ooh, and I spelled psychologist wrong. Psychologist. Psychologist. Um, by doubting psychologist. That is the, the crux of this film. Uh, if you've seen the trailer, then you've seen the shot where all three of them are sitting uh, opposite Sarah Paulson's character. She is before-mentioned psychologist, and her role in the film is kind of murky at best, uh, but appears to be, at first, uh, that she wants to rationally explain these phenomenon. And I think that's the biggest uh, issue the film has. Not, and I don't mean that in the sense that I don't like that or that I do like that. I mean that the film presenting this as an option is an issue in and of itself. Because we've gone through two films where there's been no doubt that these are superhuman people uh, in a world otherwise normal. And now the film is trying to circumvent and undermine all of that explanation. And to its credit, I think the film does a decent job at trying to explain away all these supernatural events as normal. I I think it does an incredible job trying to do that. However, I question the validity of trying to do that. And and I think that's the crux of the film and and whether or not it works or, or, or doesn't work for you. 
I gave it a 57. I think it's fine. I think there are parts that I, there are definitely parts that I, I really enjoy. There are also parts that didn't work for me. Uh, Shyamalan, terrible. I, I don't know who his action chore- choreographer is. They're bad, and and maybe it's just how old Bruce Willis is, and maybe it's just what he the way how he wanted to communicate that maybe these people are just real guys but it it does not look good willis looks like he's sleepwalking through half of this film the characters don't get to interact with each other as much as i want them to and there's there's so much dragging the movie down for me on the other hand i like the uh, uh, apparently contrary to popular opinion i like the middle sequence of this movie that takes place in the hospital i like a lot of this Again, I wish the characters themselves interacted more with each other, but I, I do like, especially this the aforementioned scene where the three of them are together and, and Sarah Paulson is there. I love that scene. I love the angle it takes. I love the hypothetical scenarios being presented or, or maybe actual scenarios being presented. I think it's a very deliberate movie. I think Shyamalan had a, had a goal and I think he did what he wanted to do and success successfully with this movie. The question is, um, is it what everyone else wanted him to do? And I think the resounding answer for that question is no. Um, so mileage may vary. Last I looked, it had a Rotten Tomato score of 36%. Uh, and it is part of the Unbreakable series, at which, of which it currently finishes third of the three. Uh, I mentioned Unbreakable had a 69. I gave Split a 72, slightly slight uptick, uh, but Glass is a 57 weakest of the three. The trilogy itself is 5.72 hours long, and uh, average rating across all three films of 66. Uh, moving on to directors, let's talk. Let's talk about Shyamalan, all right? You you can't get past the Shyamalan element of this movie. I I think everyone has, you know, two, maybe three Shyamalan movies that they will they'll really rally behind and four or five, maybe six, seven uh that they think are garbage. I am in that kind of wheelhouse. I I find Last Airbender, The Village, After Earth, The Happening. I think they're all garbage. Uh, Lady in the Water is bad. Uh, And then I really like Signs. I like Split. I like The Visit. I like Unbreakable. And then you've got Sixth Sense and Glass. And Sixth Sense being in the middle, mostly just because I knew the twist going in. So I just... I don't know. It it didn't... I think the film suffers with that knowledge. Shyamalan, this is the 11th film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 45.18. It is the second film of his in the 50s. Fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Unbreakable, ahead of The Sixth Sense. It uh, keeps his value at a negative 5. His score at a 33.23. And his rank at 659th overall. One spot behind Mark Romanek 
who directed One Hour Photo and Never Let Me Go, one spot ahead of Peyton Reed, director of Ant-Man, Yes Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and The Breakup. Shyamalan, he funded this film himself. $20 million budget. And it looks it a lot of the times. Cutting into the, the... are the are these guys actual superheroes or not? I I personally like that take. And I hear the idea of this it um it undermines everything that came before it. I, I respect that opinion. I just don't mind that, actually. You know, I think presenting the last two movies as a delusion, presenting the last two movies as a a fake would be more in line with with a end of the movie twist honestly than like the actual thrust of an M Night Shyamalan movie so i think you you realize you have to know going into this something big will be revealed at the end and it's going to not only in this circumstance uh, uh, derail the movie you're watching, but potentially derail the previous two movies that take place in the same world. And that is my personal issue. That is my biggest problem, is this this third act, quote-unquote, twist that Shyamalan has. I did not like it. I think it's Shyamalan being too cute, I think it, it just it, it tries so hard to appear so much like much so much more than I think it really is, and it, it just don't it just really bothered me. It really bothered me. Moving on to writers, uh, Shyamalan wrote the film. Uh, this is his eighth writing credit that I've logged here. Uh, he has a it increases his average value to a thirty eight point five. It is his second film in the 50s and third best movie overall, coming in behind The Visit ahead of Sixth Sense. I'm sure there are films of his that don't have their writing credits logged, and that is why that happened. It keeps his value at a negative 6, his score at a 24.8, and he's ranked 2,826th overall. One spot behind Trevor Jimenez, uh, who's a writer on an animated short film from this year, this past year, called Weekends. And one spot ahead of David Barenbaum, who is the writer on The Spiderwick Chronicles, Zoom, and Strange Magic. Strange Magic. The writing. Uh, let, let us never accuse Shyamalan of hitting the nail too far on the head. I, I don't think he could, possibly. Um, he seems to keep outdoing himself in that respect. Uh, he has a cameo in this film that was very forced and strained outside of my favorite scene being the the Paul, Sarah Paulson confronting all three of them so much of the dialogue is blunt on the nose uh, lacks subtlety and uh, there are too 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 many times when the film starts a line with well in comic books in comic books, because in com- but in com- but in, in comic books, 
That doesn't, in comic, and it just, oh my goodness. Each, every subsequent time, it just pained me to hear that friggin' phrase in comic books. Some problems. The movie's got some problems. But let's, let's actually get to some of the better aspects of the movie with the acting. Because I think there's a lot of solid uh, acting going on in this film. We'll start out with Samuel L. Jackson. This is the 83rd film of his that I've seen. It increases his average film range by 55.13. It's his seventh film rated in the 50s, 45th best movie overall, coming in behind Lakeview Terrace and ahead of Avengers Infinity War. It has a value of negative 1.5. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 52.34, and is ranked 1,084th overall, one spot behind Michael B. Jordan and one spot ahead of Elizabeth Debicki. Samuel Jackson plays Mr. Glass. When we meet him originally, he is a little uh, conked out in this hospital. He is sedated and uh, kept. So that his, his brain won't work, so that he can't think, so that he can't uh, utilize his uh, theoretical power that he may or may not have. Samuel Jackson plays his role, I, again, I, I mentioned liking him in, in bigger roles, and I liked him in this. I thought he was fine, I thought he was solid, I don't think he was a bad part of this movie from an acting standpoint. He takes some of this crappy screenplay dialogue and makes it feel menacing, makes it feel uh, uh, just almost uh, elevates it, you know, quite a bit. And I was very pleased. I, I think he's one of those actors that can really make even the most rudimentary character feel important, feel like they are above uh, the film that they are in, and that is not an easy thing to do. But he's he's very good at it, and mostly because I think he takes a lot of, a lot of very rudimentary roles. Now, I as for his character in the film, I liked the plot from Mr. Glass's perspective. I liked the approach that his character had with regards to McAvoy and Willis, with regards to Sarah Paulson. I just don't know that enough of an explanation was given. I'm trying, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around specifics here. If you've seen the film, I think you understand what I'm saying. I think his plan lacked there definitely there's definitely one, a scene or two where they're like oh this happened because actually whatever and i think ultimately some of the results of what he did didn't get that treatment and not that that treatment always needs to be in a film when you're you know doing a heist or you know you've got a, a mastermind in play or something like that but if you're going to do it for these other things that I actually totally understood, why not do it for this the, this bigger thing, this much bigger thing that I don't think does make sense on a surface level? So, curious, curious there. 
curious there. Next up is Spencer Treat Clark. This is his 10th film credit that I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 57.8. It is his third film rated in the 50s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Unbreakable and ahead of Loverboy. This is... Uh, he drops, <laughs> keeps his value at a 2.5, his score at a 50.67, and his ranking is 1,266th overall. Tied with a bunch of people, including Kate Siegel and Lena Dunham. He's one spot behind Chris Penn, and one spot ahead of Billy Magnuson. Spencer Treat Clark. Alright, he was in Unbreakable. He is uh, Bruce Willis's son. Joseph Dunn. Um, he, I, I didn't like the performance, honestly. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the fact that, uh, Shyamalan used the same actor. I liked that. Didn't care for the performance, though. I thought it was, I don't know, throwaway. I, I think the problem is that the character is given a little too much agency for what I think Spencer Treat Clark was able to, uh, perform, if that makes sense. But, I don't know, he, he, he had a couple of scenes where he really needed to kind of freak out and be, you know, frantic and upset, and I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. Next up is Anya Taylor-Joy. This is her fifth film credit, dropping her average film rating to a 65.8. This is her third film in the 50s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind The Witch and ahead of Barry. Uh, she has a value of 2.5, a score of 49.5, and is ranked 1,394th overall. Tied with Regis Toomey or Michael McShane. Uh, one spot behind Ben Wishaw and one spot ahead of Melissa Leo. Anya Taylor-Joy reprising her role from Split as the only girl to get away from uh, James McAvoy's The Horde. That's his action. There's more of his title as, as a character as a villain and she returns in this movie uh playing the same role to james mcavoy's uh kevin as uh, spencer treat clark plays to his father uh dunn as, as joseph dunn plays to what's his first name david dunn who is the overseer uh she is the Horde slash Kevin Whisperer, uh, which is fine. I, I guess I don't have any issues with that on a fa on face on face value at face value on surface level, but I don't I don't know. I I felt her character felt so superfluous in this movie. I get that they needed. I guess they didn't need, but they wanted a character who could like break through to Kevin, and the only person we know we would believe could do that is Anya Taylor Joy because she was able to do it in Split. But even still, I don't know, she just felt so out of place. I, I thought Taylor Joy did a great job in her performance. I don't think her character was given a lot to do. She was a Deus Ex kind of character for the horde and and fixing the horde and i don't know that didn't really work for me next up is sarah paulson this is her 15th film credit it 
increases her average film rating to a 54.73. It is her second film rated in the 50s and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind The Post and ahead of What Women Want. Uh, she has a value of zero, a score of 48.29, and is ranked 1,536th overall, one spot behind David Harbauer, and one spot ahead of Florence Kasumba. And Sarah Paulson plays Dr. Ellie Staple. Uh, she is the therapist slash psychologist, whatever you want to call her, treating the three men and uh, attempting to convince them that that's not that they're not superheroes, right? I loved Sarah Paulson in this. I don't think her character gets enough um, dimension to her, but I did enjoy what she was doing with her. I would love to see more of Ellie. I don't know if we'll ever get another movie from this from this world again, but I would love to see more of Sarah Paulson. Uh, I think she's able to, in Samuel L. Jackson's manner, kind of convey the this very blunt, straightforward, uh, for lack of a better word, unimaginative dialogue that Shyamalan wrote for her character and make it feel medical, make it feel important with purpose. And I appreciated that. I think she does a good job. And her scenes with the three men, either together, individually, come out well. You know, she never feels like she's on her back foot in these conversations, which a lot of people would, given the circumstances. And I think that was very important for her character to convince us, the viewer, that she knew a damn thing about what she was talking about. So I liked Sarah Paulson. I liked her in this. Next is Bruce Willis. This is his 45th film credit that I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 51.93. It's his 10th film rating in the 50s, 20th best movie overall, coming in behind 16 blocks and head of the sixth sense. He has a value of negative 7, a score of 42.72, and is ranked 2,242nd overall, one spot behind June Foray, and one spot ahead of Francis Fisher. Uh, Bruce Willis. David Dunn. I mentioned that I thought he was sleepwalking through this performance. It's 100% true. He's too old to, to do the action choreography. Every time they cut to his face, he looked like he was sleeping. There's no more. Nothing else needs to be said about him. It's a shame. Samuel L. Jackson is the first person I talked about, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> there really only five people in this movie that matter? That can't be true. James McAvoy. Oh, no. How did I spell it? Did I not edit it? What happened? Oh, I see. It filled in the, the title. James McAvoy. Let's talk about James McAvoy. This is his 27th film credit. It drops his average film rating to a 61.37. It's his third film rated in the 50s. 18th best movie overall. Coming in behind his voice role in Nomeo and Juliet. And ahead of The Last Station. Uh, it keeps his value at a 10, his score at a 67.14, and his, his rank at 179th, highest-ranked person in this movie, one spot behind Claire Danes, one spot ahead of Liam Cunningham. James McAvoy, 
who plays everyone in this movie. The credits for him are amazing. He plays Patricia, Dennis, Hedwig, the Beast, Barry, Heinrich, Jade, Ian, Mary, Reynolds, Norma, Jalen, Cat, BT, Kevin Wendelcrum, Mr. Pritchard, Felita, Luke, Goddard, Samuel, and Polly, among others. Uh, and he remains the standout of this world. He was incredible in Split. He is fantastic in Glass. The way he shifts between these characters, the way he, his face contorts, his physical presentation adjusts on a dime, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, 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 I sometimes, sometimes Hedwig uh, feels a little overused, but I, I wish they'd tone Hedwig down just a little bit. Um, he comes out a lot, but Patricia, Dennis are all great. Whenever we get through to Kevin, I love that. And introducing us to all these new personalities in this film that we didn't get to see in the first one, I loved those. They were bizarre and, and unorthodox in a great way. And he's just fantastic. Now, as for the Horde and their role in this film... I guess I just don't We got an entire origin film about him with Split. And yet one of my one of my knocks against Split is I don't feel like I understand the beast. I get that he's this superhuman got personality. He feasts on people, uh, he, uh, and, and that some of the other personalities want to, are kind of subservient to him, want to show the world what he is, I just, I want more about that, I think I needed, I need more about the beast, why the beast, what, what his purpose is, what his, I don't know, I, I feel like his, his motivation is very, it's too simple and, and undefined. Uh, but the the way, because he's more of a puzzle or a pawn in this movie, ultimately, in my opinion. And not that that's a good or a bad thing. I think that's fine. Uh, but a pawn, kind of a pawn. And I think be, with, the na with the nature of how you have Patricia especially Patricia, I, I think there's room for the horde, unquote, uh, to be more active as far as, like, reactive in the in this world. My thoughts. Um, yeah. Uh, I mentioned Shyamalan has a cameo. There are some security guards that work at the hospital. Uh, there's Samuel Jackson's mom. I didn't like her either, Charlene Woodard. I wasn't a fan. Um, that's about it, though. Looks like a lot of uh, a lot of um, extras, people I don't recognize. Moving on, genre. Genre. Glass is a drama. 
a mystery, a science fiction film, and a thriller. All four of those. It, uh, where is it here? It lowers the average rating of dramas to 58.43, increases the average rating of mysteries to 54.24, increases the average rating of sci-fi films to 50.37, increases the average rating of thrillers to 50.88. It is a three on the Bechtel test. We do get conversations between Anya Taylor-Joy and uh, Samuel Jackson's mom. We get conversations between either of them and Sarah Paulson. Most of those conversations have to do with a male character. I do believe some of them are more about comic books in general than just one of their loved ones, I guess is the right way to put it. It's a PG-13 movie. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the yearly stats. This is one of the nine films I've currently seen uh, released in 2019. The year is coming hard and fast so already. It is one of the 93 films that I've seen during the year of 2019. Uh, it increases the average rating of 2019 films to 38.89. It incre decreases the tomato meter to 68.63. It is the fourth drama, first mystery, fifth sci-fi film, and third thriller that I've seen. Uh, currently, it is the highest rated film I have seen in 2019 out of 57. Uh, that means there are zero quote-unquote good films, anything 60 or above. Five bad films makes the ratio zero. As a three in the Bechtel test, it is part of the 44.44% of films from this year with that rating. And as a PG-13 film, it is the third PG-13 film that I've seen from 2019. Other films that have gotten the same score on my spreadsheet. Uh, it's the only one from this year. Looking at last year, there's quite a few, uh, including They Shall Not Grow Old, Calibre, Transit, The Old Man and the Gun, All About Nina, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, and Batman Ninja. Uh, yeah, a lot. We can go back to a year, two years ago, 2017, you've got The Wife, the Divine Order, To the Bone, Lemon, Black Holes, DeKalb Elementary, Maria Sharapova, The Point, I Am Heath Ledger, 2036, colon, Nexus Dawn. Bunch of films, um, all rated the same as this one, uh, and a total for total of 107 films with a rating of 57. I mentioned... Uh, Glass being ranked number one currently for 2019. It is also is currently ranked 3,510th out of everything I've seen. It is ranked 1,901st in all dramas, 440th for mystery films, 283rd in sci-fi, and 603rd for thrillers. Um, and uh, I think that's it. Like I said, uh. I think I spent a lot more time talking about the negatives of this film than the positives. I'll leave a couple more positives out here that don't really fit into with, with the statistics. I loved the color palette. I loved the uh, production and costuming that this film has. Constantly shrouding our three, our three superhero villain characters in their fitting green or purple or yellow, whether it's 
um, Bruce Willis or Samuel Jackson or uh, James McAvoy. I thought that was great. And somehow fitting other things into those color palettes without clashing, without, um, you know, making it feel like you've got a neon sign on the screen was was a challenge would have been a challenge and i think they were up to it uh i like i thought that the uh, like what can i say without spoiling stuff i think that the attempt to humanize these guys in a rational way was admirable because I think one of the points the movie references is you know comic books about superheroes originated from people like strongmen and circus and then slowly were embellished and embellished and embellished and embellished people who seemed like they could fly because of how high they could jump people who seemed like they could run as fast as a speeding bullet people who seemed like they could yeah i don't know solve any problem something like that they're all based and rooted in reality and on one hand you're thinking sure you know there are even in our world, there are so many people who can perform so many ex extremely difficult feats that I could personally never do, that most of us, the 99.999% of humans could never do. That doesn't make them superheroes. But you could stretch that feat a little more. You know, maybe they can break the world record for the long jump by four inches. It's, a, it's big. You know, it's a lot. But if you make it three feet instead of four inches, suddenly it do, it's not just a record. It's an untouchable phenomenon. And you do that with something, I don't know, maybe a little more cinematic and relevant than the long jump. But Whereas glass supposes that this embellishment doesn't come from just ordinary people who can do something really good and really well, but from extraordinary people who aren't Superman, who aren't the Flash, but they are more than what we are. And I think... I like this. I like this dichotomy. I like this supposition. I want... I wanted more of that. I don't think I got enough of that in this movie. But what I did get, I really liked. I, I really did like that part of it. It was fun. It was fun. So, uh, that is this episode on Glass Statistics episode. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. If you would like to check out more episodes, you can find those most places podcasts can be found, including iTunes. You can also head over to circleoffilm.com to find other episodes, uh, including top 10 lists and Circle of Film Awards. 
you can get in touch with me for any reason whatsoever on Twitter at Circle of Film through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com, uh, or find me on Letterboxd, uh, letterboxd.com slash Circle of Film. If you'd like to support the show, you can be a patron, patreon.com slash Circle of Film for as little as eight cents an episode. Or uh, alternatively, you can rate and review on iTunes. Both are greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you so much once again for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.